Welcome back to the podcast, and on this week's League of Inches Talking Points potty, we have once again Adam and Matt joining us from the Talking Para podcast. We talk all things referees, we talk all things coaching from Bellamy to Hook getting the hook. We also discuss our origin teams and any massive changes that we see coming into play. And we also discuss our weekly multis. So give us a like, subscribe, follow if you enjoy the potties. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and obviously Spotify podcasts. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back. And got the crew together once again. Um, Adam... And Matt, you've you both know him now. They did a full introduction like I did last week. They're just one of the boys now. Um, yeah, welcome back, boys. You survived. Uh, you you've also come back, uh, which I'm surprised about. Either crazy or, or stupid. I don't know which one yet. But welcome, Adam. Enjoyed the the week of footy. No, not really. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> It's 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 never fun when your team gets beat, is it? Like it's never a fun weekend of footy. There, there were some cracking games though. Um, obviously went pretty close on that multi as we mentioned before, but I'm um, pretty filthy that the Melbourne League didn't get up with a controversial decision. We'll say that much. But I know Maddie reloaded and had a bit of a win. So if anyone else was on there at it and reloaded, congratulations. But yeah, no, it's just footy season's not as enjoyable this year as it was last year. We'll say that much. Yeah, and look, we'll get into the multis. I think we're all pretty close, actually. Um, I don't want to chop. I feel like in the next few weeks, this will turn into a multi uh, podcast, but we'll see how we go. Maddie, um, I know you had some good wins, um, yeah. but also not so not very good wins with that jacket on. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I just, I'm lost for words when it comes to our team, but yeah, I'll. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to steer clear of that, but I feel like the more it's happening, I feel like next week might be the week where it's actually brought to light and, and we discuss it a bit more in depth. But look, there's some developments out of Rugby League World um, on a coaching front. And one good news, one bad news. We'll start on the good one first. Melbourne Storm coach Craig Bellamy re-signed for Another year after declaring pretty much the start of the year, this was his last year, he was done. Bit of a follow-on effect. I feel like that might cost him Jason Riles. Um, not too sure, but I, I feel like it's leaning that way. And from what I've heard him say yesterday and today in, in interviews, I feel like he might be going around again after next year as well. So it's just going to be a year-on-year Stawali-type situation. But um, he's done the, the job there for Melbourne for so long. Um, it's his job, I think, until he doesn't want it anymore. Adam, what do you think of the Bellamy uh, re-signing? You kind of mentioned it. It's like John Farnham, isn't it? It's the last time. It's the last time that he keeps going. But look, obviously he's done wonderful things down there as a coach and a credit to him. Um, you know I hate the club, but no matter what players they seem to lose, he seems to bring more players who will just do the same job. So it's a credit to his coaching. Um, and, you know, we've seen some of the plays he's taken down there over the years as well that, Kind of, I won't say they're nothing players because they're still first-grade footballers. They weren't standouts at any other club. They've gone down to Melbourne. He's turned them into you know regular first-grade players and good ones at that. So um, good to see him going around one more time, um, at least one more time. It's good for the game. But as you kind of mentioned, the Jason Ryle situation, um, interesting, obviously, the hook got the sack. I know we'll talk about that more, but I can kind of see that opening up for them to lose him. So um, in saying that, Melbourne have bought through some excellent assistant coaches over the years as well, so I'm sure there'll be another one coming through. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Matty, no surprises for you? Yeah, none for me. I think, yeah, we we were, the writing was on the wall with Hook, but, yeah, I, you just know Bellamy. I feel like he's waiting to see what Slater does um, after Origin and maybe, yeah, transition that way. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's as Adam said, it's kind of like John Farnham. We thought, oh, finally Melbourne next year, no Bellamy. Ripe for the picking, but we thought that when Slater left and when all those boys retired, we thought, oh, yeah, Melbourne's ripe for the picking. And then we've seen them this year just come out, start off slow, and, yeah, they're building. And, yeah, Bellamy's just a freak coach, and I would have loved to have him at Para back in the day, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the, the club's robotic in a way. They just keep going in, in the motion and, yeah. and just keep sort of getting it done. Um, on the downside, uh, I guess for a, um, for Hook himself, um, I don't think it's for the club, for anyone like that. They are surprised by this, but uh, obviously Anthony Griffin has been sacked from his role as head coach of the Dragons. As I said, no surprises. Um, whether it's the right or wrong decision, We'll know in the next six months, I guess, and who they replace him with. Jason Riles is seeming like he's got his head in front at the moment and and be probably announced in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Roosters, I've heard, have granted him uh, time to actually do this interview process, so that's a plus. Adam, where are you at with the whole... I feel like the Dragons have been front back pages for the last two weeks. It hasn't stopped for him, but we might be starting to get the saga off um the, the pages but anthony griffin's been one of the scapegoats for this yeah 100 it, it's been coming hasn't it and it's interesting at the start of the year i had the dragons as my wooden spooners um they actually started the year a lot better than what i thought they would and they obviously got a bit lucky with the buy at an early time as well which rocked them up the table a bit but it's been a long time coming and they probably held on to mcgregor for too long uh they probably should have fired mcgregor a lot before they did or moved him on whatever you want to call it so Look, obviously, there's going to be ramifications for it as well. I'm hearing that Ben Hunt obviously wants out of St. George now. He's obviously pretty close to Griffin. So it be very interesting what happens in that regard. But with the record they had and losing, what was it, five or six games in a row they've lost now? So you, you can't keep a, a coach around with that record. And obviously, a change is going to be good for him. It, when, when you say a change is good, who are you thinking now? We're, we've seen the media talk. We've seen the processes. We've yeah, that's Hornby or Riles. Um, like I said, I, I mentioned it last week. I think we recycle coaches and promote coaches because they're good assistants or good players too much. But you'd think Riles will be the next in line if he wants it. He's been rumoured for pretty much every job that's come up lately. Um, you know, there's no doubt they'll start chucking names around Des Hazard and all those kind of blokes that have been there before. But they need a fresh start, St. George, but they also need to stick with someone. So going for someone who's inexperienced and hasn't coached before probably buys that coach a bit more time. And, you know, we've seen so many clubs go through it. We've seen the Knights, Parramatta, um, the Tigers. They just keep hiring and firing coaches. And what that means is that you restart every time you do that. Your recruitment restarts. Your, you know, what you've learned, your play is just playing style restarts. So they need to stick with someone. So I agree we're going with an inexperienced coach. Um don't expect immediate results straight away, but in two to three years' time, they might come through when they bring their own pathways through. Yeah, I think the inexperienced coach as well helps the board out there because it's sort of someone that they can dictate in a way. It's not going to be someone like a Des Hasler who would come in and say, leave me alone, let me do the footy stuff and literally stay away from me. So I feel that's the reason why someone like a Des Hasler isn't even considered, it looks like, and... For mine, it would have been probably an ideal situation for one of those sorts of coaches to come in and really transform the place that it needs to happen. Um, but I feel like at the moment with a rookie coach, it's not going to be the full fix that it currently needs. But, Maddie, um, what's your thoughts on the Griffin sacking and where to now for the Dragons? Uh, it was, it was kind of like timing. You, you think about... The Riles has been holding out for that Bellamy job, and then Bellamy announces one day, and then Griffin gets sacked the very next day. So obviously, it's going to be Riles in my mind. But yeah, I I think see how Hornby. I think Hornby is their assistant now, isn't he? Um, no, South South assistant. He's at South. All right. So I'd give. I'd just let see what who puts a hand up. If there's an assistant there now that wants to run the team for the rest of the year and they go on a run. Like we've seen it before where Jason Taylor took over from Brian Smith and we won every game and made the semis where we were like last. And then Taylor got punted as a coach. And then, yeah. So I'd give, I'd give whoever's there an assistant as the assistant now a shot. And, but yeah, I I reckon it's going to be Riles no matter what. I think he has, good relationship with players at Roosters as well that he could potentially bring over. Um, we we see what the Roosters are going for now. So, yeah, maybe maybe that could be a, a win point for St. George to get some fresh faces, some fresh people in there. Um, yeah, and just players that actually want to go there. Yeah, it's 
that's going to be the hardest thing there as well with a rookie coach in terms of their recruitment now for the next couple of years. Will it get impacted again? Um, will players want to go to a rebuild? We've already heard their star player, Ben Hunt, say he doesn't want to be involved with another rebuild. So I feel like it's pretty much a 90% chance they will lose Ben Hunt for next year. Um, whether it's earlier than that, not too sure. Um, but there's there's interesting probably a lot of drama to come at the moment for the Dragons for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think they'll get away from the papers too much yet. And just that main that that main decision on the head coach at the moment for mine is a huge decision. A big talking point at the moment, I feel like we all want to talk a bit about and get some things off our chest, are these bloody referees and the bunker. Um, I feel like it gets to this time every year. Uh, where it seems like, in my opinion, they just have too much say on games. It's not the, necessarily the teams battling it out. It's the referee in the bunker. To be honest, I feel a bit sorry for the refs. I feel like at the moment, more than ever, the bunker is basically just the, the on-field ref um, in the constantly, which if you look, watch backyard footy, um, and I mean that by like park footy, you just watch the referee do what he wants to do and the, the game flows so well. It's actually really enjoyable to watch where at the moment we just seem to be in slow motion and every stoppage in play takes longer than what it should because the referee's in his ear talking and you can hear him on the go always constantly talking. There's another part to this which we'll, we'll get to. I know there's an example Adam wants to talk about, but in terms of the referee themselves, Matt, We've seen too many games for mine in the last couple of weeks be impacted um, by some decisions that are wrong. Um, I think it's fair to say that. Where are the refs and the bunker at? I think it's pathetic. Um, I think the refs need to, like, do a press conference. Everyone's been calling for the refs to do press conferences so they can front up to the media. It's, I don't know. It's It's kind of like some of the games you watch, it's like the refs have a – preconceived idea going into the game who's going to win like who you can't have the team at the bottom of the ladder beating the team up the top of the ladder so i don't know it's it's we saw it on the weekend there was so many decisions where even now the bunk is scared to overturn the ref i feel like there was so many calls especially this weekend that could have easily been overturned there was a one where a one-on-one steal where they said he got him high tackle where the player was already on his knees when he stole the ball, but because he rubbed his arm on his face or something as he was stealing the ball, it got penalized. And yeah. And you look at the video refs now, the bunker, like we'll take one look at it and just say, yeah, on-field decision stands, no try, but they don't check any other angle. They don't, it's like, Every second decision now, they're scared to overturn the ref. So, yeah, this this round was poor when it came to refereeing. Yeah, it's a it's a worry heading into State of Origin and, and things like that as well. Um, at the moment, I don't think there's a standout best referee in the game, and we're about to be our showpiece event. So it's going to be interesting who they choose for that because there's a lot. We, we talk about players in form and out of form. I think there's a lot of referees at the moment out of form, and the bunker clearly is out of form. Adam. Now, I want you to, and I feel like you're about to go into your element here. I feel like you've got a bit to say. Uh, start on the referees and then work your way into the hit drop, which I know you want to mention and bring up. Yeah, look, I want to say, first of all, I feel sorry for the referees in a way because there's just too many rules in the game. Um, I've touched on this on a different podcast. There's too much rules. Like you can't tackle too high. You can't tackle too low. You can't twist them on the way down. You can't fall behind them and drag them down. You can't twist their arm on the way down. You can't hit with your shoulder first. So there's so many rules in the game. That there's so much margin for error. You know, we as players um, make errors and referees are going to make errors as well. There's no doubt about that. But the problem I have and the biggest problem I have is the inconsistency in the game. And that's where we get it so wrong. Um, it's, look, I'll go, I'll touch on the hip drop straight away because it's my main point for this. We've spent so long focusing on the hip drop and people going, okay, how do we get rid of the hip drop? It's accident, accident going to happen in the game. I get accidents are going to happen. The Pat Carrigan hip drop. They've turned around now. They've come out. He was sin bin for it. They've said it was wrong. It wasn't a hip drop. But it was a hip drop. That's my point. It was a hip drop based on everything else we've sin bin for a hip drop in the last, what's it been, five, six weeks? 
Yeah. At Magic Round last week, I spent a lot of time watching footy. Not last week, the week before. Um, you know, and look, it's not very you don't really get to watch six or seven games of football live and watch different things. When you watch it on TV, they're obviously showing a lot of the up close action stuff. When you're watching a game, you can watch different things. And the amount of players, and I'll use Nick Meany as an example. Well, light yeah, lighting Nick Meany is an example. Yeah, Nick Meany's example. I don't know if I, my computer's just locked on me, so we're going to have a brief little break here. We're, we're I don't know what Did you just lose me? Yeah. No, we, we, we got Nick... you the whole time. You just went dark. We had you the whole time. There was just no light. My screen just locked. So I don't know what was going on there. Uh, I'll use Nick Meany as an example. Well. Yeah. Nick, Nick Meany in the – whoever, Melbourne, Melbourne, South Sydney, there was about two or three times he come into a tackle, which is weird when he was playing fullback and he was trying to take the player down. And as he started to go down, I watched him pull out the player, like pull out of the tackle. So it is possible. On the Pat Carrig one, I think he had an opportunity to pull out and he didn't pull out. So where we go from here with the hip drop, it's pretty simple. It needs to be if the player is injured and looks like they're not going to return, they go for 10 in the bin. Right? Simple. That's the way it is with a concussion as well. We don't always get it right. Or we just sub that player off and if the other player doesn't return, they're not allowed back on because we need to do something. Too many games are being decided by the hip drop and by sim bin penalties, in my opinion, for acts of foul play, whatever you want to call them, and then players are turning around and getting fines or getting no suspension. That's the inconsistency I'm talking about. There's so many inconsistencies in the game in relation to obstructions. Um, the ball plant, the ball plant's doing my head in. It's a 50-50 flick of a coin. And when you talk about referees, I want to mention one bloke because I've had a huge rap on him, and I, I've bagged out Ashley Klein for years, right? Ashley Klein was ranked as the top referee. We've slowly seen him go down the rankings. You can work out what games, what teams are playing, what by the rankings. Todd Smith, I've rated as a really good referee, and I've seen him come up the rankings. Well, he had a shocker, absolute shocker in that Brisbane-Melbourne game, which proves he isn't up to that level yet. So, um, look, it's probably time for a couple of referees to step away. Um, the bunker either needs to rule on everything or rule on nothing but tries. Um, and this whole... I don't know. It's just frustrating. Um, there's so much I could say, and I could break down so much about individual decisions and things are getting wrong. But just as a fan, it's not even just a fan as one team. Well, that's the most frustrating thing about your team. But a fan of footy, you just want to see consistency in the game, and we're just not getting that. No, we're not. And I feel like I, I'm about, what I'm about to bring. I don't want to sound like a sour fan at all because I'll openly say Parramatta weren't the best side um, against the Raiders, and they lost, and, and deservedly so. But I just want to focus more so on that. A couple of decisions that happened in that game, which has sort of been out in the media the last few days as well, is the first one, the Junior Parlo incident, where it was uh, it was ruled to be dangerous contact with the leg or something. Well, I I'm sorry, but I don't know where this whole you can't tackle a player below the sort of hip has sort of come into. It's not every tackle below that is a hip job. It was on the front of the, the leg, basically, and it was to stop momentum. I think they ruled it a cannonball. Yeah. Oh. They, yeah. They ruled it a cannonball, but there was no force in it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you said, where else where else could he have tackled in that situation? Because if he went up high, it turns into a hip drop. Yeah, exactly. And another one that really gets me, and, I, and this is where I feel like the rules need to be tweaked, is when Corey Horsburgh punched uh, Maddo and – and Ricky, if you're watching, it was a punch. I got no idea what you're trying to say in the press conference, but you're great at deflecting, and I'm not buying it because I think Blind Freddy could see it was a punch. I don't care what the penalty before that. It was ruled that Maddo started it. There's no way in the world Maddo started that. It was Horsburgh sort of lost his lost his shit. Um, it's fair to say, and just had one of his moments that he has. Maddo in the end was just holding him, and then. For somehow we're penalised, yet they've received the, the player in the bin. Now, for mine, the, this player in the bin is the penalty that overrides anything that really happens um, before that. So I've got no idea how Parramatta don't get a penalty in that situation when you've got a player walking off um, for 10 in the bin. Great <clears throat> he's got He's got COVID. You're, you're right, Matty? Yeah. <clears throat> I got yeah, just a bit of a frog <laughs> in the throat. Sorry, guys. Oh, is that is that it? As soon as we mention a few key Parramatta decisions, he starts to get get a little bit funny. What what do you got <laughs> on 
What do you got on those sorts of I, – I just don't get how a sin bin cannot be a penalty for the team that um... – If you watch it back, Mano doesn't hear the call. Like, it's – we drop the ball, they pick up, and he didn't see what went on. He comes running in and just tries to push the player back in, in gold. Just – he had two other guys. The fact that – the thing that bugged me the most is after the punch – Tarpany getting him in the headlock and dragging him down. I think that was more dangerous than the punch. Mm. Like, and then they ruled that Matto was the one that started it because he was the third man in. Our players were just holding the player up, and Matto didn't know whether we were dragging him back in the end goal. So he come in to drag him back in the end goal. And obviously, there's history there with Hallsborough. So, but yeah, Ricky, Ricky just needs uh, Grant Atkins as a ref. Should never ref a Parramatta game in the, ever again. Looking at the stats, yeah, never again. And the only interesting thing that came out of Brad Arthur's press conference was the fact that I think we're the least penalised side uh, in the competition and we've gone away losing a penalty count 10 to 3. Now, I know we've got some stupid players. I'll say it every time. Uh, I've got some dumb players who give away soft penalties, but I don't think there was 10 soft penalties in that at all so well i'm gonna i'm gonna difference i'm gonna go from that and say there probably was 10 penalties i watched the game back but if we're consistent this is where the inconsistency comes back into it there was definitely 10 penalties for canberra as well so you look at other weeks and other weeks we might have been penalized for small things that were penalized and look ricky stewart's a smart coach as well and we know he has a loves to have a blow up and he's in the referee's ear so it wouldn't surprise me if a letter wasn't sent from Canberra to the referees or to the NRL or whatever during the week or some kind of correspondence asking him to keep an eye on certain things that they did keep an eye on. And if we're consistent with blarps, we've been asking for BA to have a blarp for a long time, those little things that he'd love about should go our way this week. Um, you know. But, yeah, look, once again, inconsistencies, and I'll touch on that quickly without turning into a Parramatta podcast, but um, Hayes Dunster getting his head taken off and dropping the ball at 22 to 18 Canberra getting the ball the next set, a high shot, exactly the same. Both high shots, consistent, they both would have been called. Well, Canberra never would have had the ball. They go up and they scored and make it 26 to 18. We should have still had the ball with a penalty and probably could have scored to one the game. So, as I said, it's, you can't say there wasn't 10 penalties to Parramatta because I've watched it and there was, but there definitely should have been about the same to Canberra. We weren't that bad disciplined. That they, were, they weren't angels is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the inconsistency in this is the last sort of bit on this topic is – the main thing at the moment, which is is doing everyone's head in, because I think if you looked at every single game every week, you could probably have about 30-odd penalties, and it would just be the most snore-fest of a game. Like you mentioned earlier, the, that this play-the-ball thing they've got at the moment, where it's I feel like it's they use it as a way to get a team out um, of something, whether it's a knock-on or something, where the, the player puts the ball on the ground to stand up, and they if it goes to the bunker... It's ruled as a, a knock-on. It's, it's just doing my head in. These sorts of little things that... Right done it. Oh, it's just the most little... Put the ball down thing. before he got to his feet, fell on the, fell on the ground and penalty right in front. We didn't yeah, even we have it. 2009 grand final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hmm. Look, we're just... We're hurting at the moment. So let's get away from, from club footy and let's talk origin, boys. Uh, we're just around the corner now. You can smell it. It's getting a bit colder. You're getting the layers on. That means Origin is around the corner and there's a lot lot of talk. There's a lot of interesting points as well. So what I want to do, not just go through our lineups, it's just focus on a couple of players that we feel like either key players who we feel like might miss out. Uh, I'll start off with mentioning a couple for the Blues where there's some tough choices to be made. So James Tedesco. Form-wise, Fermon wouldn't make the side. Um, the fact he's New South Wales captain, I think, will get him in the side. Does he deserve it? Not too sure. There's a couple of people at the moment who are in cracking form who probably deserve that number one. One of those players will be lining up a centre for the Blues in Latrell Mitchell, but that's another another story. Um, Dylan Edwards as well is, is the other one. But Turbo as well. There's a few concerns here for the New South Wales backline in terms of will these players step up? Um, Adam, what do you feel about New South Wales' back line? Is, is there any real shake-ups we can see happening? 
Look, they based on form, they shouldn't pick Tedesco or Turbo. Um, saying that, they've both consistently performed on the origin stage um, and they've been there. As you said, Tedesco is a captain. He'll be there. He will be the fullback. Turbo, it's a hard one. Um, he just doesn't seem to be playing natural good footy at the moment. Um, seems to be struggling a bit. But, look, he was struggling. I think it was about 2018. I think it was when there was a Melbourne game. He went down there and scored a couple of tries straight away in the centres. So, it's one of those blokes that doesn't seem to be playing play bad origin game. So, it's a hard one. There's so many players I pick in different positions, but they're never going to do it. Um, obviously, you said those two there. If you want to put, go on players, I wouldn't pick on form at the moment because I don't think he's playing good football. I wouldn't have Junior Paulo on the team. Um, it's as simple as that. I don't think he's playing good enough football at Parramatta. And we're not going to do Smokies now, are we going to do Smokies after? No, I'll do Smokies after. Smokies, I've got a couple of Smokies, that's for sure. Yeah. What well, I feel like... The other interesting one is obviously in the halves, Luai versus uh, Hines. Maddie, you got a take on the Luai versus Hines battle. Yeah. I think Luai finally put his hand he, up. It, yeah, but one game, man. Like, yeah. you can't just go, oh, it's the week out from selection, I'm going to play good. I I feel like it's, it's the same with the Queensland team as well. Like, they, it's just origin time of year. Um, they all step up. I I can't. It's I feel sorry for the players that for the last twelve weeks, like Nico Hines and um all the other ones that I could run a list, like Guffo, like Dylan Edwards. These they're gonna, they're almost like Luke Burt back in the day, and John Sutton and all these players that were gun players at club level that never got a shot on the Origin stage, and then. You've got these guys that, if he stepped up last year in game three, both halves, then automatically they're in this year. But I can't pick Jerome on form after one game. Like, I know they want the same halves partner, but you know what I mean? Like, if we're picking on form, I've got Reynolds over Cleary. You know what I mean? You can't just, yeah, he's. He's played consistent, but I'm sorry, but Reynolds' team's at the top of the ladder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. why isn't it based on that? I'm not picking Turbo if he's not fit. Because obviously he's not fit. If he's not playing his footy, if he's, they say he's fit, but where was he on the weekend? Where has he been the last couple of weeks? Like, he'll come out this week and play an absolute blinder and get picked. I, I don't know. I, I'd have Hines in there and Reynolds or something. Like I'd change it up because you can't you can't hand a losing team from last year their spots based on they'll pick last year. There's a real balancing act here for the Blues as well because it's not like they're coming off a series victory either. And yeah, sometimes exactly. you can use as a, as an excuse to stay loyal to some players who aren't sort of warranting um, having that selection. Like players, for mine, the spine, for instance, where you've got your halves, Luai and Cleary, tremendous club um, players have been in tremendous form for the last three years, but they haven't been able to bring that yet to origin level. Um, even Cleary, Cleary has been one of the standout players for, for years now, but he's yet to put that mark on origin where he goes, I'm an origin player, this is my stage, sort of like what we've seen with with Johns, we've seen with Thurston, we've seen with Lockyer. He's not at that level yet. And I feel like he, how good his club form is, as an origin fan, as, as a New South Wales fan, you're, you're expecting him to get to that level and he still hasn't got to that, which for mine brings Nico Hines even more into the, into the equation because Luai won't step up unless Cleary plays an absolute blinder, where I feel like Nico Hines, can be the guy that steps up if Nathan Cleary doesn't step up once again. So we've got that four-back option who can also play a 5-8 running role. So where are you at with the half pairing there, Ads? Yeah, I'll go Hines and Cleary. I'd like to see him pick Hines and Cleary. I don't – I can't say I don't think they will because I feel like they're going to be pressured to by the public in a way. Um, but, look – there's nothing against the Penrith players, but picking too many Penrith players didn't work last year. 
they turned around and say, all right, the combination's there, blah, 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 blah. But as you've mentioned, if one of them's off, and with Penrith, it seems to be if Cleary's off, they're all off. That's what happened in game three. Um, I'm nervous. I think no matter who we pick in the halves, Queensland are going to have a better halves pairing because it's set. So we need to stick with this halves. If we pick these halves, if we pick Cleary and we pick Hines, we need to stick with them for the next three or four years because it just happens we change it all the time. We know Munster's going to be there. We know that Taylor Sheridan is going to be the halfback. They're probably going to pick Ponger at fullback now because he had one good game. And you think they pick Walsh at well, they can't pick Walsh at 14, can they? Because they're going to have Hunt and they're going to have Harry Grant, um, as well. Harry Grant at hooker. But look, I think Queensland win the series. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the series 3 0. Um, that's my early prediction on that because Queensland stick, they pick and stick, and they've got a good team there. And they've got a good combination. They've got a good set spine. Um, we're just changing our spine around. Tedesco's not playing well enough. Cleary's not playing well enough. They're going to pick Cook or they're going to pick Coruscant. I don't know who they're going to pick, but. I don't think it matters who we pick. If we do pick um, Hines, at least he's got that bit of X factor he can go through and, you know, as you said, light the game up himself. Yeah. The last one on the Blues is the engine room. Uh, There's some interesting selections for this one because there's some players who are injured or just coming back into sort of club form or not up to form at the moment. Where are we at in terms of the engine room and, do we feel like anyone's – I feel like for mine, it's safe to say Isaiah Yo will be the lock. We can we can all probably assume that one and, and say that's that's fair. Payne Haas is definitely one of the props, been probably the form prop of the competition. The second roles are the interesting ones. I feel like Cam Murray has to be one, but it's him sort of out of position, but you just can't replace Isaiah Yo. Um, the, the other second role is up for grabs. I don't know. I think you can name two or three at the moment. Jake Tabojevich only getting named this week. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back. He's obviously going to be there, thereabouts in the squad once again. Apart from that, like Hudson Young, it could be his time to get it to get a go, but we'll go on the Smokies shortly. Where are we at with the engine room here, Matty? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, as as Adam said, like you can't really pick Junior, um, even though we know he's probably going to get picked. Um, and we saw that by the commentary team saying how how Fitler would would be upset if he got suspended. So obviously he's going to get picked. Payne Haas is he just he's leading leading the leadership like leaderboard of the Dally M. So obviously he's going to be there. But yeah, the second row's got me. Like to me, I I just hand it to some rookies. I I do the Smokies. I I, I just consistent people that those those tough men that just the just the players that don't care like that that would full like feel it like run out hear the crowd and not someone that's been there before like that's not informed just I don't know I'd like to see a few there's there's a few smokies I'd, I'd like to see in the second row that I feel like would do a better job for them. Well, but get yeah, us like get, a, get us started yeah. with the Smokies. Give me, give me a Smokies. Olakuatu. I feel like he could be one. As you said, Hudson Young. He's been killing it at Canberra for the last what two years now. So, um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see someone like that, like Olakuatu, because he'll go after it. Like he, he'll pick out Nene. He'll pick out whoever they got, and he'll just go after him. And yeah, he he's one of those ones that I feel like is ready for it. Um, I know Manly hasn't been going too well, but he's he can score tries. He can, you know, what I mean. So I feel like he runs a good line. He hits hard. So I feel like yeah, hand him a jersey. See how he goes. You got any backline Smokies? See, oh, I want to say Dylan one. Edwards. Yeah, Dylan Dylan Edwards is there. My only other one is obviously Campbell Graham, which I don't feel like he's too yeah. much of a Smokey. Um, I think he'll get a wing spot, though. I don't think – I think uh, Freddie will stick solid with the turbo Latrell center combination. Uh, form-wise, Campbell Graham would be probably the first center chosen, but – he, he played wing for the Kangaroos for the World Cup and he did a good job there. So 
then you'll pair up with Latrell and, and make a pretty good pairing on that side one that we can be pretty confident with, I think. But um, yeah. Ads, what about your Smokies? I know you're pretty keen to get to them. What about your Blues yeah. Smokies? Yeah, it's been mentioned, but Hudson Young for me, just he screams of an origin player. Um, like I know, know of the bloke from locally, and I know his brother as well, and he's the kind of bloke that really get himself up for an origin game. Uh, a bit of aggression, you know, that kind of player, kind of like when Nathan Brown stood into origin, you know, you know he's going to get himself up for it. Um, for me as well, I know he just come back, but that second race, well, I think Liam Martin, if he gets a couple of games under his belt, he slots straight back in there. Um, given the fact that we are short on second rowers, I'd actually start Turbo um, of the Jake variety, definitely not the Tom, in the front row again, um, just for the minutes he can play and put Junior Paul on the bench because we're obviously lacking a few you know, front rowers there as well, given Campbell Gillard's out, who probably would have been picked. Um, Safidi, you think, could come on the bench as well. My, I wouldn't say it's a smoky because he's been there before, but I couldn't go past Ryan Madison at the moment for the minutes he's playing um, and the meters he's making as well. So I'd like to see him back in the team. I think it'd be good for him, but and he can kind of cover front row, lock second row as well. But as for Smokies in the back line, I know it's not Smokey, but it is a debut. But I think Campbell Graham has to be in the centres. Um, I'd be leaving Turbo out, playing him in the centres. I'd probably be more likely to move Crichton, put Crichton onto a wing um, if he was to come in. But also Adokar coming back from injury as well is also a chance of coming back in, based just based on what he did for Australia. Just the energy he can bring to a camp as well, I think, is something Freddie realises he, he made a big mistake last year and, and probably one of his big regrets is leaving Ado Carr out. My only other, my, I, I agree with Maddo. I feel like Maddo's been Parra's best forward all year and he got he was in in the conversations last year He's de- in, in the sort of team there, but this year for sure, I feel like, as you both have said, I feel like he should be picked ahead of Paulo um, on the bench. Uh my only other smoky I've tossed up on my post is a player that his team is absolutely dog shit, it's fair to say, but he's been the only shining light in the middle and keeping them somewhat together is Jack DeBellin. Um, only because also I feel like at the moment, as I said, like Jake Boyce has only just come back this week. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back. There's been some injury worries and concerns. If both Liam Martin and Jake Zaboyevich come back well this weekend and, and play eight, the 80 minutes. I'm happy to get them both straight back in. But just watch, keep an eye on Jack DeBellin and maybe Tyson Frizzell as well um, to come back into size, depending on injuries. But let's go on to the team Queensland. And I feel like... Quick, Adam, question for you before we do. Yeah. I was about to say, I think Adam's about to say the same thing. Yeah, maybe. does Jake Zaboyevich get left out if his brother gets left out? No. I feel like Freddie, because Freddie didn't pick Jake the game one um, last year and everyone absolutely tore shreds off him for it because if Jake DeBoy, which was the Queensland, he'd be one of the first picked every game until he retires from rugby league. So I feel like Freddie, because this is, for mine, this is his um, state of origin coaching career on the line. He needs to get things right this time. And that's why I feel like even at a car at the moment is in with a chance because He's just one of those players that needs to sort of be around that camp environment and keep those players up. So I don't think Turbo being left out would impact Jake. Uh, I think Jake would be in there no matter what. Uh, make, just going off, he can get through 80. He needs to go through 80 minutes this weekend and show he can actually do it because we can't go into this again with players 50-50 or or 60-40 and not being fully healthy. We need players to be there and need to play 80 minutes if they have to. We, we can't do it any other way. Yeah. All right. So my my one was, does Matt Burton get a spot? I've got Matt Burton on the bench. I've got him as my 14. Um, because of the way the HIAs are these days, and I feel like Origin will just be a as well. That's, that's why I've got him there, for his backline coverage more than anything. Um, and those bombs, watch out, Palmer. The, the hooker, whoever they choose between Cook and Coruscant will be the 80-minute hooker. There's no point having both of them. I feel like that's just stupid because they're both 80-minute players. So you don't need to replace um, him on the bench. You don't need to do what Queensland are doing. But I'd have Matt Burton there. Burton bombs in origin could be anything as well. You, you never know. So Yeah, we saw it last year. Yeah, I'd have Burton as my 14 for the Blues. For the Queenslanders... 
I don't want to talk too much about him, but unfortunately, I've got to say it, I feel like they're head and shoulders above at the moment and should be going into this heavy favourites, should be going into this looking for a clean sweep, unfortunately. They've just somehow managed to get their whole squad look so deep at the moment, it's not funny. It looks like they could choose 30-odd players and still be really, really strong and hard to beat. We've got issues at the moment, the Blues, in terms of the forward pack, where Queensland could pick two lots of forward packs and still probably beat our one forward pack. So it's a worry. Uh, but for Queenslanders who are watching this, uh, are probably smiling at the moment going, we can't wait for this. Uh, we're not the underdog. They, they can't claim the underdog that tags. They just can't do it. So, Adam, where are you at with the Queenslanders? I know you're, you're earlier a big fan of them. Why so? Oh, I'm not a big fan of them. I hate them. Um shit state hate the place but had a terrible time up there two weeks ago but look <laughs> for me it's not about the fact that they're better than us it's the fact that they pick a better team consistently um there's too much politics involved in new south wales rugby league and it just seems that we never pick the best players based on form we pick them based on name and reputation um as you said they're forwards look i say that's probably stronger in the second row department i still think a fit and firing junior paulo and a Payne Hass, let's say Regan Campbell Gillard was fit and Daniel Safidi. That's a pretty strong forward pack. I think they'd run over, I'd assume it would be Tino and probably Christian Welsh um, yeah. starting in the front row for him. Um, or Papali. Mm. That's Gosh. a talking point. That's a Bali. talking point because I feel like this is the year Papali. Papali, whatever it is. Sorry, Papali. I'll get the, yeah, I can't get the names right, these folks, but um, they change them all. They, they 100% change them all the time. But Look, we've just seen David Fafita start to hit form as well. As I said, they're harvest hitter. I think Cherry Evans is one of the smartest footballers um, in the game. And he, he com- like, what's the word I'm after? Like, the combination of him and Munster, they just kind of... each other? Com- that's the word, complement each other. Because Cherry Evans can do the kicking and kind of structure everything. And then, obviously, Munster goes ahead and plays that razzle-dazzle. And then chucking in the fact that you're either going to have Walsh or Ponga. I personally believe they'll pick Ponga still. Um, and I think it's probably good for Ponga's confidence if they do pick him. And, you know, like, it's scary. Um, add, obviously, Cogo to the is it Cobo to the wing. Um, Tulangi probably. Valentine Holmes finally found his spot in the centres. Dane Gagai, who doesn't know how to have a bad origin game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got three nil written all over as much as I hate to say it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's yeah. hard. And the, the interesting one's the fullback there. Ponga, for mine, I agree with you. I think after his weekend's game, and he'll probably do the same this weekend, that gets in the spot. But if you're going arguably on form for the year, and as Maddie points out, it's hard for someone like Reese Walsh, who's been so dominant to start the year, and now Ponga's come in and gone, you know what, I'll actually decide to play now, and I want my, my number one jersey back. So... It makes it a little bit hard for them. Maddie, where are you at with Queensland? You as bullish as we are about them being clear yeah. favourite. I just the pro the thing is, I feel like Slater picked his teams weeks ago. I think he he already knows what the team was going to be, depending on injuries from then to now. Um, I think he's already like Queensland have such a ridiculous structure and. They've done it for years. Like they've, they're already training four other squads that come in and train and prep for the next lot. So when they, whoever they put there, knows the game plan, knows the calls, knows all the attacks. No, they just, they're just so. It's like a big, well-oiled machine, like Bellamy has with Melbourne where no matter who you throw in there, they're going to be dangerous. And we've seen it before. Like, you, you talk about Dane Gagai get, stood up when he played against Para, but you watch how many tries he scores. You, you just – they're just ridiculous. And, yeah, I'm I'm a bit worried about this one. So, I, yeah, I feel like if they, if they do pick – if we – New South Wales pick the team we think they're going to think – I'm putting three nil. I'm putting green. I'm putting on sports bet now. I'm, I'll put my house on fucking three nil. Like, yeah, uh, it, it's 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 hard to, to argue against that. 
I feel like yeah. for Queensland, we, we know the side majority of it is pretty much locked in. And as you said, Adam, the back line is the same. I feel like it's going to be the same. The props are the same. I feel like Ben Hunt, we all know, will probably start and Harry Grant will come off the bench. It's worked for him in the past, so why change that? The back row, Capewell and Kafusi uh, will probably do the softening up period. The bench for mine's an interesting one. you got Harry Grant, obviously. The next three choices are probably the only three really that are up for grabs. And for mine, David Fafita's form is you can't go away from it. He's in there. He's got one of those positions down pat and him coming on after that softening up period has happened and that fresh body and him running how he has been. I don't want to be in front of that. That's going to be scary. Ruben Cotter's found some really good form. I think he's perfect coverage for players like Patrick Carrigan. Um, and Tino, when they do need their breaks um, to come on and just keep that steady ship happening for the Maroons. 17 is the real interesting one where it could go to about six or seven different players. I, I don't know who, who it goes to at the moment. Um, I know Slater had some wraps last week or two for Horsburgh, but there's other players there that, that could easily do the job as well. Where are you at with the engine room, Adam? You pretty much nailed it, I think. Um... Look, I think Papali could be there as well. Pavlihi, Papali. That's uh, the other talking point there would be if if it's his last Origin series, if he does make it or if, what, what's happening. But I feel like Origin, obviously, it's it's Queensland. Just stick with it. Yeah, you're right. And then, look, Cotter um, as well. There's obviously rumours about Halls were floating around as well. Nene, is he, do you have to tell him he gets suspended for? I think he, he might be back this week. Back this week, how yeah. convenient. He was there last year, so I know he's not playing the best foot. He's having one of those second years, but you put him in with that team and that that spine. It's just scary. Can we stop talking about it? It's making me a bit depressed, to be honest. On the engine room. And just to let you guys know, um, no, he's not back yet. So Nenai... Oh, He's an inner side, so he still must be suspended. Sorry about the non-research there, guys. But Maddie, what do you think? I knew we got a few weeks. I knew we got a few weeks about it. It was a hip drop, wasn't it? It was actually a bad hip drop. Yeah, it was a, it was a proper yeah. hip drop. I think yeah, he, as he, you said, he finishes this week, so he could get selected, but I don't think you'll select him after three weeks out. Yeah, but he'll still go away and train and learn yeah. everything, and then he'll be ready for game two. That's that's what they do. That's what we need to start doing. Um yeah, it's, it's scary when you look at their list of players compared to ours. It's like they can choose – they've got like 40 front rowers to choose from. We've got like 10. So yeah. um, as, as, we, yeah. as we said, I feel like the only one that – like watching Fafita too run the length the other day was ridiculous. Like how does a, a second rower outrun – fullbacks and wingers and it's it's just crazy the mood he's in at the moment and I feel like I'd put Maddo in there just to stop him or Olaquatu. I reckon that's the only person that's gonna put their body in front of him. Like yeah. but yeah can we, can we touch just, on David Fafita quickly while you're talking about him? Because yeah. I, I feel like he's copped a lot of shit over the years for being a lazy player and not so much, you know, putting in every week and He's overpriced and hasn't done his job and stuff. Like, people forget that he's still actually quite young, isn't he? Like, remember, yeah. like, he's 23 years old. Footballers don't yeah. hit their best till they're 26, 27. So just because he's had a couple of years for himself, I think he'd be 24 this year. Like, I feel like he's another bloke who just cops unre- like unreasonable, unneeded criticism when imagine the player he's going to be in three or four years old. I'd have him at Parramatta tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like he's been a victim of too many experts as such or or media making him try and be a player he's not. And he's so good at having those little spurts in his game where they're just unstoppable. And for so long there, people in the media were trying to change him into be that full 80-minute competitive player week in, week out, like a Nathan Hindmarsh type sort of player where he... He just isn't, and it's not how you're going to get the best out of him. And I feel sorry for him because he didn't demand getting the pay packet he originally got from the Titans. They were stupid enough to give him that at, at the time. So 
he didn't have to live up to that. That was up to the Titans to develop him the right way to get the best out of him. So I, I agree with you there, Adam. I feel like a lot of the time it's sort of mis, sort of conser- conceived how players should be performing. They kind, they kind of didn't as well because by going to the Gold Coast and giving him whatever they gave him, the million dollars they gave him or the, whatever amount they gave him, he was their marquee signing as a second rower. So the lack of developments on him by not surrounding players around him. The Gold Coast are always a team that have struggled to sign a marquee player. So they're obviously going to overpay for a player. Like we kind of saw the Dolphins start to look to do that. They were going to give Ponga $1.4, $1.5 million as well that the Knights end up matching. So... It's kind of on them for the fact he hasn't developed. If, look, you slot him into a Melbourne or a South Sydney or even a Parramatta, imagine the player he'd be with the better players around him. Yeah. The best thing they've done as well for him is sign four, and I think he's helped Fafita back this year, and there's no arguments there of why Fafita's playing so well. It has a lot to do with four. And, uh, where, where else are you at with the, the engine room there, Matty? Yeah, I think Carrigan, I think our... Our main threat is him is we've seen all these mic'd up games and just his brain when it comes to football and seeing what's on and where they're short in the defensive line and like calling out plays out of nowhere. And I feel like he's probably the main danger we've got. Um, yeah. I, you look at the list. There's, there's, there's no weakness. I'm sorry, but hate to say it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible, so it makes it <laughs> an interesting origin series coming up. But when I put my blue glasses on, I I am into that depressed stage as well. So let's move on to... Can I chuck one, is, one, one more is quickly because we're obviously throwing around fake teams. Yeah. Can we throw around a prediction for player of the series? Yeah, well, actually, that's a good one. I should have asked for that. Um, I'll, I'll throw mine now. I'll go. I'll go. You one extra with that. Go one yeah. for both sides. So hypothetically, if one both teams win the series, who you bet for each team? Oh, well, New South Wales aren't going to win the series, but I'll give you one for each team anyway. So optimistic, I'm feeling. I'm going to say Kalen Ponga gets it for Queensland. Um, I saw the development in his game and the confidence come back on Sunday. Um, he pretty much guided him to that win, that huge win they had. Um, as much as I hated to see it, so I'm going to go Kalen Ponga. The sink playing off the back of Munster and Cherry Evans will be brilliant for him after what he's been playing out of the Knights. And if New South Wales were to cause an upset in the series, um, it would have to be because Nathan Cleary finally stands up. I like them too. Uh, Matty? Yeah, I've got got to stick with Cleary for New South Wales, obviously. Um, Yeah, if, if, if we were to win, it's on the back of him. And I know he's copped a lot of criticism in the media, a few of the players coming out, the the immortals coming out saying he'll never be an immortal till he proves himself on Origin. So I think that's in the back of his head as well. So it will obviously it's it'll be on him. It'll, he he just has to be that ice man. Um, you might see game winning forty meter field goal out on game three. So um, yeah, call it, call on it now, guys. But yeah, I think uh, New South Wales give me if it's, if it's like it's got to be him or Teddy, but I'm gonna go Cleary um, for Queensland. That's a tough one. I'm gonna say Pat Carrigan. I'm gonna have to say it. I know, I know. Oh, like man. I was close with Ponga. Adam, Adam always steals me stuff. Nah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like knowing the fact that Ponga didn't go away to Bali and he stayed and trained, which means he's priming himself. Um, which is scary to think a player actually trained when they had to buy. Um, but yeah, like I've got to go Paddy Carrigan. I think he's gonna gonna step up even more this year after seeing what he's doing at the Broncos. I feel like yeah, he's primed for a a good series. I hate to admit it, but yeah. I was just glad to hear after that buy that Ponga wasn't sick again. I was actually really worried and concerned. Uh, for his health and well-being over that buy period, I'll, I'll just glad we got through that without him having to make an appearance to a toilet cubicle. So well done, Kalen. You can, um, you can only buy so many houses, you know that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> very, very true. Um, for mine, Maddie, you stole my Queensland one. So I think Paddy Carrigan is just going to be that typical yeah. Queensland performer and that will just sum up why they, they end up winning the series for New South Wales. 
I'll go a little bit left field because it doesn't happen much. I'll go Latrell. Um, and the reason I'll say Latrell because of, for mine, he's got this aura about him at the moment, which I've never seen him have, where he's so in focus with his football and so just football everything. He's almost crazy about it at the moment. And I feel like how Turbo played for us a few years ago where he scored that hat-trick and things like that could be the series that we see from Latrell. And that is exactly what New South Wales need if there are any chance to win this because it, while Latrell's in this mood at the moment that he's in, just let him do whatever he wants. Let him roam. Let him do do everything. And that could be enough for, for New South Wales. If, say, the halves problem happens again, they don't shine, we might be able to just get out of that with Latrell. So Latrell's my pick for that one. I, I did think about saying Latrell as well because I think he's going to have a good series. Um, but the simple fact is if New South Wales come away with it, all the people that pick the thing are going to be that up clear his ass, they're going to pick him. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter what Latrell does. Latrell cops all the heat that he shouldn't cop, and he'll probably cop that heat just the fact that Cleary does something special. So, Yeah. I, I kind of put Latrell in the same boat as the David Fafida argument earlier as well. So um, the, the multi of the weekend, boys, and it started off pretty well, this segment. I mean, I think we all only got one leg wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, I was cheated. Leg. I was cheated. Yeah. <laughs> Damn refs. Yeah. We we all only got one leg wrong, wrong I think. So we're on the, the right path. Let's try and pick a winner this time, boys. And I'll go first. I've got my one here. Um, live odds from Sportsbet as well as I literally placed this just as we went to air. Penrith Panthers to beat the Broncos 1-12. I think the Broncos will try and step up and prove uh, there's something, at least in this competition, that I won't want to be embarrassed, but Penrith will be too good. South Sydney... Here we go, 13-plus for the the bunnies over the eels, which pains me to say, but I'm here to win some money. Um, Cronulla Sharks, 1-12. to 12, And I think the Knights played well enough last week to put up a decent fight here, but it won't be enough. And the Melbourne Storm to beat the Dolphins, 1-12 to 12 as well. Those odds for you, I got it for $63.64. And... Chuck a lazy fiver on it. It'll get you just over 300 bucks back. So that's my one. Adam, I know you were dudded last week, but let's not let that yeah, affect you again. Let's not focus on the cheating of last week. Um, look, I've gone Brisbane 1-12 to against Penrith. Um, I think they're ridiculous odds for a home game up there, Brisbane, against a Penrith team that they haven't been... You know Reynolds. Yeah. Hey. You know you Reynolds, Reynolds is out, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> It's all right. I'm sticking with it. Don't change a multi. I'm going Brisbane 1 to 12. I think Penrith had it too easy last week to look like they were in form. Um, so I'm still sticking with it. Brisbane 1 to 12. Cronulla 13 plus over Newcastle. Um, someone needs to snap Newcastle back into reality. Um, the simple fact is the Titans couldn't back up last week because that bounce back factor after beating Parramatta. I've gone the Dolphins plus 6.5 with the line to beat Melbourne. Um, it's a plus taking the line there at 6.5 at $1.97. Into Albert Hopawadi anytime try scorer against Manly. Um, Albert Hopawadi obviously being a Manly junior, um, never really given much of a go there going to Canberra. So for a combined total there with a 33-34 power play for $40.01, 10 times, $400. But I think Brisbane now get beaten now. I know that news. I didn't check the team today, guys. Yeah, everyone, that'll get edited out. He's actually tipped the Penrith Panthers 1-12. to 12, So <laughs> he'll change it around. That's fine. <laughs> Matty, what do you got? All right, so I've got Penrith Panthers minus eight and a half. Yeah. I've got just, North just, Queen. Before you, you keep on, just let the viewers know, he's actually on a three-multi-win streak at the moment. He pulled off a few lot on the weekend. So yeah, you're, uh, welcome. you're welcome. He's in form. Yeah, thank, thanks, Adam. Um, after Melbourne lost, I decided to reload and actually put Panthers instead. Um, yeah, but so far, the tally is... 700 and something off of 25 bucks. Yeah, um, that's, so yeah, that's all for Magic good. Round next pretty, year. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going in the kitty for Magic Round. I think I ordered a PS5, just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, i got North Queensland, four and a half, minus four and a half. I got into Melbourne, minus six and a half. 
And I've got Manly just head-to-head to win because Canberra Raiders beat Eels and mm. no team has won the following oh. week after beating the Eels this year. So let's get that stat to 100. And that will get you with the power play, $21.30. Ooh. I like those. There you go, guys. Gamble responsibly. I have to say that, otherwise we'll get sued for, for millions. Um, that we don't have. <laughs> which we don't have at all here. <laughs> we, we, we're operating for free, so please be nice. But that's it, guys. That is the episode over and done with. We'll have Origin teams next week, so we'll probably do an Origin special. Basically, round footy doesn't exist once the Origin starts. We all know that, so... Good luck with all that, but good luck on the weekend with your, your super coaches, fantasy, tipping, multis, whatever it is you want to do, whatever team you support. I'm going to probably hide for most of the para game because I'm shit scared of Latrell and I feel like he's about to put probably 40 tries on us and I'm going to have a nightmare. So on that note, enjoy, guys. We'll see you next week.